Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood and welcome to Faith and Family. Thank you for joining us today. And we have a little mini-series for you entitled Homeschooling Today. And there might be a number of reasons why you might be considering homeschooling, or if you're already homeschooling, I think you'll find some of the things we'll be sharing with you to be very helpful. But first of all, you parents who are not homeschooling right now, but might be listening to this broadcast, you know, a little later this year, as we get into the dark months when the northern hemisphere turns away from the sun, which means lower vitamin D levels and more viruses, and I'm not predicting the coronavirus, but there's always more viruses, so there probably will be more coronaviruses. Who knows? And is another lockdown in our future? Well, if it is, you could find yourself in a short-term emergency education situation that would require homeschooling. So it always helps to be prepared to uh, just have a plan just in case. And you know, there's another way to look at this because sometimes you find yourself in a emergency type of situation and you discover that maybe this could be a long-term plan for our family. This might be a horrible illustration, but it's just something that hit my mind this morning. Our family, in an emergency situation, was hit by three hurricanes in one summer when we were living in Florida, summer and fall. And one of the hurricanes was a Category 4 with the eye going over our home. Now, it was a real pain in the neck to repair a home when your whole community is out of all kinds of building supplies, when you have to bring in builders from uh, 90 miles away to fix your home and all this type of thing. But, you know, looking back now, that emergency situation prompted us to move to the Carolinas. And we're really, really happy here. All my family is, is happy in the Carolinas. So, you know, that kind of emergency situation prompted us to consider some things. You see my point that a short-term emergency regarding education could turn in a surprisingly good way into your long-term plan. Uh, a second reason why you might want to consider homeschooling is just simply frustrations with, and I don't know what the school system's doing in your community, but the idea of two days on in classroom education and three days off at home Personally, I just think that's a horrible learning environment. I think it would be so difficult for the classroom teachers and difficult for the parents. And I know in our area, um, that could vary if the coronavirus has a little outbreak and that type of thing. And how, how can you plan in that type of situation? I'm a planner, so I would personally as a parent find that very difficult. Number three, one good reason to consider homeschooling is just the uh, education results, the uh, homeschool kids generally find themselves in the 87th percentile, and about 98% of homeschooling moms are scared to death. They're going to mess up their kids, but they really don't need to be so nervous about it because they find out that on average, homeschool kids hit about the high 80s in the percentile, which means they're doing great. Okay. Um, 
There's some things going on in our public schools, unfortunately. Uh, we do know that the uh, explicit classroom sex education, now it's including exposing kids at younger and younger ages to homosexual practices and now to uh, transgender uh, type of ideas being planted in children's minds. And if your child, as a result of this, has certain questionings, they can be given certain counseling without your knowledge. So uh, those are some very difficult things that parents may not want their children exposed to. And you would say, well, parochial education is a good alternative, but for a lot of people listening to me right now, it's an unaffordable option. And many, many instances, it's just not affordable for the average family struggling to make ends meet today. Uh, and here's an issue that uh, if you haven't considered, you might want to consider, uh, and that is forced vaccinations. Uh, it's already required in most places, although there's religious exemptions and other exemptions like there are here in South Carolina, that um, in order for a child to attend a public school, and in many cases, even a parochial school, they're required to have a full uh, spectrum of vaccinations. And one of the resources we shared with our donors here shows that even getting a flu vaccination weakens the immune system and makes a person 30% more likely to get come down with the coronavirus. And we now have Operation Warp Speed to develop vaccines that could be altering your RNA. And once you get a vaccine that alters your RNA developed at warp speed, there's no undo button like you have on your computers. It's something that's become fixed. Uh, you may not want to put yourself in that situation. I'm just sharing different reasons why parents might want to consider homeschooling. And then the seventh reason, and a very significant one, is that our culture is disintegrating. And you may want to, as a parent, provide a cultural shield. And one of the things I'll try to be sharing in this mini-series is that as your, you know, your goal as your children get older is to have their own shield. You don't become the shield. Your homeschooling isn't the shield. But especially during the early years, children are not meant to be exposed to certain things and have to wrestle with certain things because God gives them a childhood, and they should have that. Now, what do you do during a cultural disintegration? You know, I'm voting pro-life and everything else right down the line, the coming election and everything, but just be aware that a political election, even getting, uh, you know, your candidate elected, so to speak, politics can't change culture. It begins with uh, the religious foundation of a culture, the cult. That's not like the Moonies or the Jehovah's Witnesses, but the cult being the religion gives rise to the culture, and from the culture comes politics. So regardless of the outcome of the elections, our culture is in deep trouble. Father Fessio, the publisher of Ignatius Press, who was present at some of the early family conferences conducted out in California, 
Uh, he was there, and both Kimberly Hahn and my wife Karen were giving talks on homeschooling at those conferences. And here's what Father Fessio said regarding homeschooling and the cultural collapse. He said, quote, homeschooling families are doing now in their quiet way what was done in a quiet way in the monasteries of the 6th century and beyond. Homeschooling is going to transform the church, and it's going to transform our country. It's the biggest, greatest hope that we have." Unquote. Now, what did the monasteries do in the sixth century? Well, to refresh your memory, the Roman Empire collapsed. And I know people say, well, you know, our country will never collapse. Well, I don't know, but we're not on a good path. And I know the folks in Rome had a very difficult time wrestling with the whole idea of the Roman Empire collapsing. That's why St. Augustine wrote City of God to help the Catholics come to grips with that. But in order to keep the Christian culture alive, it was brought into the monasteries not as a way— uh, as an end of itself, but it was a way to collect and preserve uh, scripture, Christian teaching, and then being a missionary body to reestablish that culture throughout Europe. And Father Fessio is saying this is what the homeschool families are doing today, and that means preserving culture for another day, and who knows what's coming down the road. But um, that, I think, is very, uh, very positive. I'm going to kind of take you here for a moment way beyond like, oh, we got another coronavirus lockdown, and what am I going to do? I have to homeschool my kids. I don't know how to do that. And just take kind of like if you're watching a movie sometimes, the camera just kind of pulls back and see that big picture. And the big picture right now is that we have a disintegrating culture. Will it turn around? I don't know. But if it doesn't, there's a way that Catholics have preserved culture and reestablished it in our history. And Father Fessio, I think, is, is very correct in saying this is one of the things that the homeschool movement is doing. Now, I want to kind of bring your mind to ask one of the big questions, how would homeschooling fit into the mission of the Catholic family? Now, I am not one to say everybody has to homeschool because some people who just really aren't comfortable, aren't equipped, don't have the conviction to do it. And, you know, if you have to do it in an emergency basis for a semester or half a semester or a few days a week, do it. There's plenty of resources. I'll be sharing those with you. But I'm saying in a bigger way, this could be a very compatible means to further the mission of the Catholic family. Now, what is the mission of the Catholic family? The mission of the Catholic family is to pass on a legacy of faith to their children that will last for generations to come. Legacy, that's one of the reasons I wrote a book with the title Legacy. The idea is that in the Old Testament, the Jewish faith, and now in the New Covenant, 
the Christian faith is not something just, uh, you know, that hits your heart and changes your life. That's just the beginning. That's not the end. It's to spread to your whole family and not just your immediate nuclear family. Your goal, your hope, your wish, your prayers are for this to go down the generations. Here's a psalm uh, verse that I like. It's from Psalm 79:13. It says, "Then we your people, the flock of thy pasture, will give thanks to thee forever. From generation to generation we will recount thy praise." That's it. If you kind of want to know what kind of motivates me, what's behind Faith and Family Radio, what's behind the mission of Family Life Center, what's behind my mission personally as a father. That's the goal. I'm imperfect. I know that. I have to depend on God's grace, and there might be ups and downs between getting from here to there, but that's my goal from generation to generation. And, you know, really now we're having the experience of maybe two-thirds or three-quarters of kids raised, Catholic kids raised in the faith, abandoning the practice of the faith. So, okay, that was the mission of the Catholic family is to create this legacy from generation to generation. So then that's the mission of the Catholic family. That's whether or not you homeschool or not. That, that's, I would suggest, your mission. So what is Catholic homeschooling and how does that fit into the mission? And here's what Karen and I came up with. Homeschooling is a deeply biblical way of living a Christian family life in order to pass on to our children the truths of our faith and the knowledge of how to live it in a hostile culture. In other words, the family culture passes on the Christian values, as Father Fessio said, kind of like the family monastery, so to speak, and how to live it, and that's so important. Simply facts about religion are inadequate in today's world. And I'll say that one more time because I'll be saying it about a thousand more times in future broadcasts. Religious information and religious facts are not enough to keep a child faithful to Christ in the 21st century. They need a knowledge of how to live it. And here's a sentence for you from Chesterton that's well worth remembering in choosing a school, choosing whether a homeschool, a parochial school, any form of education, evaluating schools. Here's what Chesterton said. Education is the transfer of a way of life. Education is the transfer of a way of life. And if we're basically transferring thoughts. And don't get me wrong, we have to have thoughts. We have to have lots of thoughts and maybe more thoughts than commonly are given in educational situations, but it's included as a way of life. Christianity in the book of Acts wasn't called the Catholic Church. It wasn't called, uh, believers weren't called Christians. They were called followers of the way. And Christianity was a way of life in a pagan situation. The Catholic faith can do quite well in a pagan empire, and if our culture devolves into that, it doesn't have to go away. Now, education is the transfer of a way of life. 
and let me share with you what St. John Paul II said about his dad. Quote, Day after day, I was able to observe the austere way in which he lived. By profession, he was a soldier, and after my mother's death, his life became one of constant prayer. Sometimes I would wake up in the middle of the night and find my father on his knees, just as I would always see him kneeling in the parish church. His example was, in a way, my very first seminary, a kind of domestic seminary. Everyone would agree St. John Paul II was a man of meditation and prayer. And where did he get it? I mean, get it so that it became a part of him, that he wasn't just taught certain facts that prayer is important, but he saw his dad on his knees. And he says, that was my very first seminary. Do you get what I'm sharing here? And so, you know, traditional classroom education is a valid option, um, but it has shortcomings unless it's also supplemented at home teaching a way of life because education is a transfer of a way of life. Now, I'd just like to get personal for a minute and share why I was attracted uh, to homeschooling. I had um, just come off a tenure as a youth pastor in the 70s. Yeah, I'm a really old guy. But, you know, the 70s were, were tough because what I was facing is the kind of hippie culture, counterculture, and the stuff going on from college campuses across the country were hitting high schools and middle schools at the time I was a youth pastor. The drug culture was rampant, and um, oh my, you know, I was uh, mentored by a senior pastor in hospital visitations, but the vast majority of my hospital visitations were the psychiatric ward from overdoses and the kids kind of losing it as a result of drug overdoses. Right in the middle of my weekly uh, youth rally, I'd be called out by the police. There's one of my um, members out in the middle of a six-lane highway and refusing to move unless Steve Wood comes out and prays with her or something. It was crazy. It was just absolutely crazy, okay? I saw what was going on, and I learned through uh, some very successful people on how to overcome the drug culture. And I didn't learn this from Christians. In fact, the people I was with were really ripped that there weren't a lot of ministers and youth ministers coming and discovering what could keep kids from the youth culture. But I can tell you what it was in a minute, that it's socialization is the key element for kids getting into drugs. Their friends do it, they do it. And that's just the way it is. And the peer culture has grown in influence over the last several decades. And the strategy they gave was to replace peer pressure with parent pressure. Okay, I learned all this as a youth pastor before I became married, before I became a dad. One day in the 1980s, a pastor friend had Karen and I over for lunch. And we were sitting here eating lunch, and I noticed out of the corner of my eye, there was a door open to a bedroom. But instead of a bed, I looked in, and there's kind of like a blackboard on a wall, an American flag, you know, uh, displayed there. 
<laughs> my curiosity got to me and I said, what are you doing in there? And he says, we're homeschooling. Never heard of it. Never read about it. I said, well, what's that? And lo and behold, in grandparents, you may think this is simply an episode for your grown children. Listen, uh, this pastor's son had uh, got himself tied up in a drug culture and um, was in a lot of problems and such. So my pastor friend and his wife took their grandson into their home on a, I guess it was a temporary basis, and was homeschooling them. And that's where we found out about homeschooling. And so we heard there was a new association in Florida of homeschoolers starting, and uh, it was basically evangelicals, or probably a few Catholics, but it was basically evangelicals at the time, and it was over in Orlando. I can remember dropping Karen off. It was in the basement, kind of a dark basement in a church, wasn't a whole lot of curriculum, and I remember I took, I think we had two or three daughters at that time, so I took them to see World War. Karen could have a one-day training and how to become a homeschool mom. Well, lo and behold, by the time we moved from Florida to the Carolinas, that little meeting in a kind of a dark church basement had grown to occupy the twin towers of the largest resort complex at that time in the Orlando area, right near Disney World, these two huge towers, double Marriott resort centers with multiple pools and everything. And they actually had to overflow into other hotels. There were so many people homeschooling. So we've seen quite a bit of growth uh, during that time. Also starting out, not a, our extended family weren't necessarily enthusiastic about our decision, but as the years went on and our kids matured, um, we got a lot of extended family uh, support. At the beginning, this is several years ago, uh, curriculum was very scarce, and that's okay. Actually, I think you have more problems today because you have great curriculum. You have exceptionally great curriculum, and you can pull your hair out trying to figure out the great from the exceedingly great, and it's all marketing to make you nervous and self-concerned and, you know, whatever. A number of ways to do this will work absolutely fine, believe me, and I'll be sharing some of those with you. So we became Catholics in 1990, and at that point, the Catholic homeschool movement was still relatively new, except for um, the original Catholic homeschooling family, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Um, not a bad model for Catholic homeschooling, but it was brand new. And so we kind of went through a a new movement twice and not exactly knowing what you were doing with some of your friends and all that. So um, we ended up both as Protestants and as Catholics, uh, our transition, we homeschooled all eight of our children, primarily Karen taking the, the heavy responsibility for that all the way through from the beginning of their school years till graduation. Um, they all graduated from college, most got scholarships, and all but one have stayed out of jail. Uh, that one, she's a detective right now, so she has to go to jail quite a bit. And we were part of a, a homeschooling co-op in Florida. When it came time for graduation from high school, my eldest daughter, Stephanie, 
was the only one left still homeschooling in our group. Everyone else quit. So one of the things I'm going to be sharing in this series is how to persevere and make this thing work without overburdening a wife and mother and making it a successful venture. Here's one of the things that I would suggest, and it's often overlooked by many homeschool groups in that the wives are doing the bulk of the teaching so that the homeschool groups might overlook fathers. And if I would give you the first tip, very practical, very important, wives, get your husband on board with homeschooling. Um, My book, Legacy, A Father's Handbook for Raising Godly Children, was written 15 years ago, and I wrote a very costly chapter at the time because homeschooling wasn't real popular, and I knew that certain groups would not be accepting my book because I advocated homeschooling point blank in chapter six and explained why. But fathers are necessary for homeschooling, and you want to get your husbands involved. So I would suggest, for instance, uh, a couple of times a year at least, you have a homeschool outing for whole families, but make a point of having the fathers invited. And that means you don't want to design it as a pampered chef party. They're Those parties are great, okay, but you want to have a barbecue and you want to have some of the dads cook barbecue and maybe have a softball game or something like that in order to to get dads feel very comfortable there. Now, why would you want to do something like that? Well, there's a book called The Homeschool, Catholic Homeschool Companion. It's chapters by 43 contributors and how to make your homeschool a success. They asked me to write a chapter. In that chapter, I listed 21 things Catholic dads can do for their wives who are homeschooling. 21. So I just gave you a tip. You want to get your husband on board, okay, so that he can help you with those 21 things. And I'll be sharing a bunch of those 21 things in this series. And then right along with wives getting your husbands on board, husbands, encourage your wife. I'll say it very strongly. You don't pressure your wife and you don't arm twist your wife. You're a fool if you do that because you can't be pushed into homeschooling. You can offer to assist, you can pray, but you really have to grasp the vision, have the capability to do it or else you're going to quit. And grandparents and aunts and uncles who might want to pass along the information in this homeschooling series and uh, just pass it along but don't push it on your adult children and maybe even offer to assist like my pastor friend did when I first learned about homeschooling. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 303 of Faith and Family Radio. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org. 